Hi, welcome to the Less Fables podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Sterling. And we're going to answer one of your questions about writing, our books, or the indie author process. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at LS Fables or here on Spotify. If you want more writing tips and tricks or information about our latest releases, join our newsletter at lsfables.com. Last month, we talked about becoming an indie author, why we chose it over traditional publishing, and the pros and cons we've experienced since. The most important part, though, is this thing you're going to publish. So today we're going to talk about the basic things you need to tell a story. Mmm. It's exciting. It's exciting? Yeah. Well, we do really love this part whenever it comes time to start writing a story. Because this is the part where you get to, like, curl up and say what if a bunch. Yeah. So basically, and it's like... It's like pre-plotting. Pre-plotting. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, what if we wrote a story about this Mm -hmm. and these characters and what might happen if we did that? Yeah, and kind of picking out all of the little details. Like, you can't plot until you know what your world is going to be vaguely and who your people are vaguely. I mean, we've we've literally plotted out stories where it was like, character A does this, character B does that. Like, we didn't even know the character names. But you still have to kind of know what your story is and what elements are there to be able to plot it out. So before you plot, you kind of have to do your pre-plot. Yeah. It's not even even world building either. It's pre-world building. It's pre... It's conceptualizing. I'll mm. say that. Yeah. It's it's kind of deciding what everything's going to be like and going from there. Ah. So I actually think there are six things you need. And I did not come up with this. I didn't came across it. it a long time ago. And I really like it. I think it's pretty darn accurate. So the six things are who is the story about? What do they want? What is their motive? There's a cat trying to claw his way into the room. He's trying so hard. We banished him. We banished him and we put pillows up. And now I can hear like his teeny tiny little claws trying to get past the pillows. Anyway, the six things. Yeah. They are, who is the story about? What do they want? Why can't they get it? What do they do about that? Why doesn't that work, and how does it end? So. (laughs) And how does it end? I think that the reason why this list of questions is so good is because if if you can answer them, then you will both understand the characters that the story is about, and you will have a good idea of the basic plot of the story. Mm -hmm. So we usually do start with characters. Even I, if we don't know their names. Yeah, I guess we do. So, we did with Vassal. And you told you said, I want to write a story about an angry goddess. There's The story is about an angry goddess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's at least one of the characters. Mm-hmm. And then we decided who the other characters were before we decided how things were going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we answered all of these questions at the beginning of Vassal. That's one of the great things about... Um, writing is that you can get better as you go. You learn more. Or worse. (laughs) Hopefully not that. But, I mean, it is kind of cool because we've been in this stage with a brand new series recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So we are actively working on this sort of stuff with our next upcoming uh, story, which we don't even have like a, a name, a or, name, a series name or something. Yeah, nothing to call it by yet. But that's not true. We well, call it Time Witch and Brother Bitch. That's true. We call it by by our sort of made up names for the characters. But we are doing this stuff now, even though I don't know that we've written down these six questions anywhere. Mm. We we decided who the story was about, Time Witch and the Brawler Bitch, mm-hmm. and then what they want. We know that. Yeah. And we know... And then... And the beauty of the what do they want question, we'll stop there for now, is that tells you your character's motivation. And that tells you a lot about who they are as a person. The what what do they want okay, yeah, question. Yeah, what do they want. Like, if you, if you're even in the real world, and if you know what someone wants then and what they're striving for, then that tells you, like, I don't know, maybe a quarter of who they are. Yeah. It makes them... I don't want to say... Sorry, I'm touching a cat toy with my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to say predictable, but, like, comprehensible. Yeah. It's like, their motivation is to get into this prestigious academy or um, college or program. Therefore, everything they do works towards that or is in hindrance to that. They don't have enough money to... They don't have enough money to pay for their rent in the interim while they are trying to apply to the college so they have to get a secondary job and because they're in the secondary job they're not able to do as well for the studying to get into the exam to get into the place that they want to go to but like everything is always moving towards that that thing that they want and even if they have a love interest and even if they have other side things that they're doing it's always working towards that goal moreover it creates tension they are in a place right now where they don't have what they want, need, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever. So that, it's like moving away from the tonic. Like, you don't, you're slight, something is off. Something is not right, and you need to fix it. So that's the first thing that creates. It doesn't create tension in itself, but it makes tension possible. Mm. Yeah. And then, um... Why can't they get it? Because they're poor. Because they're poor. Because <laughs> it's on the other side of the world and they don't have superpowers. Because she won't give them the time of day. Because mm-hmm. they accidentally summoned a goddess and now have to deal with the consequences. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. It's just rough. Insert any amount of things, barriers standing in their way. And then, um, what they do about it. Yeah. So that's your plot. So who, who is the story about and what do they want? That is the basic thing you need to write a character. So who is the story about and what do they want? It tells you the first things that you need to write a believable character. A whole person... Any whole person is going to have motivations. They are going to have things that they are working towards. Or they'll be super unhappy and bored. Yeah. 
And then their motivation might be to move, or they could be mentally ill and not moving much at all. And then they, the thing that they want is health, or a reason to get up in the morning. like Or to alleviate their boredom. Or to alleviate their symptoms, or whatever it is. So, that's, those are, that's the first step to writing a believable character. The plot is then, why can't they get it, and what do they do about it? And why doesn't that work? So, one of the ways that we've got to come up with this part of it, the why can't they get it, what do they do about what, why doesn't that work, is at this point, well, first of all, at this point you have a character. You have a person who um, wants something and can't get it, who has motivations, who you know a few things about, maybe where they're coming from, what they're feeling, and how might they react to not being able to get what they want. Mm. Yeah, like, make a plan, throw a fit. Yeah. Like, those are a couple options on how to react to not getting what you want. Yeah. So, the what do they do about it, and why doesn't that work? Our method that we use for this is we we make a big list, and each thing on the list is labeled either a problem or solution. So... We basically make a list of the things that they try, why they don't work, and then what happens because of that. And or things do get solved. Sometimes things do get solved. Mm -hmm. But there's always another challenge, goal, something around the, the, around the, the curve. They can successfully get the magic sword. That's great. But now that they have the magic sword, they still need to go vanquish the beast. Or because they got the magic sword, they unlocked the tomb of the monster that was meant to guard it and now they have to fight that it's rough yeah so another thing another tool we use for this while we're problem like problem solutioning is yes yes but no and yes they got the sword but they unlocked the tomb and now the creature's coming for them or conversely no they didn't get the sword and now they have to do something else so even the minor solutions aren't complete solutions there's still stuff that they've got to work on and that kind of pulls you forward in this try fail cycle i've heard people mm-hmm. like authors yeah, call I've it heard them call it that too yeah this is the the meat of your novel it's the middle so the beginning you introduce who the story is about and why they want and what do they want and then the meat and the potatoes or the meat and the cheese if it's a burger i guess is them or the veggie burger. Okay, the veggie burger. We're vegans over here. So it's the veggie burger <laughs> and the... Pickles. The pickles is them try-failing. And I really think that the yes, bet, no, and thing is really helpful. Mm. Because if you're just in this sort of, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, it can get a little dull, both for you as the writer, and if you're bored than the readers, it's likely the readers are too. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of gives us, I think, a direction. So we don't give the people, um, the stories about too many wins or too few. They, they can't fail constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Something has to go right or your readers are going to get really mad. Um, but yeah, and so like when we're creating an outline with this, ours is problem, solution, problem, solution. 
problem solutions should not necessarily be in the same chapters. Like, problem A, like, solution currently would be no solution, and then cha and chapter 3 or 4 or 5, problem A's problem finally finds a solution. Yeah, so your your problem solutions, they don't have to be linear. Yeah. It doesn't have to be problem A is solved by solution A, and then problem B, and then problem B solution. Um, it can be, you have this overarching problem, which is probably the, what, why they can't get what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, that's going through the whole book, and then your individual problem solutions are then trying to solve that, trying to solve other problems they cause, or have come up during yeah. our journeys and that kind of stuff. So this, these try fail cycles, they're not just the big problem. They're also, yeah. So in, in our original example, it's like the first step to their journey is to get the big sword. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a try fail cycle and it's, it's one they succeed at, but they have a new try fail cycle that comes of unlocking the tomb and unleashing the beast. Mm hmm. So your plot isn't entirely linear, though it does follow this sort of... They're still working towards ramp. what this, the sword is going to help them with. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of ramping up. That's another thing that the try-fail cycles do, is, uh, is they ramp up the tension. So you have the big problem that's hanging over them the whole time, and the stakes get higher, or the barriers between them and the final solution get harder, and things like that really make it more intense. So that's kind of like the climb through the novel. Mm -hmm. And we're using examples that are really kind of like dire, but y there are literally books, categories that are called like low stakes. Yeah. Um, like Lattes and Leg Legends and stuff. Like Legends and Lattes, I think. Or, or something uh, like that. Dyslexia did. That's okay. And, or, or, or just um, a lot of these kind of like romance novels, but they're not quite romance novels. They're very queer focused, like um, Delilah Jane Gets the Girl or something like that. Yeah. Or I um. Kissed Sarah Miller or something like that. Like the, the, the stakes are quote unquote lower. They're not saving the world. Um, so they're not, you know, getting the sword and the demon, blah, blah, blah. But they're still... They can't get to the picnic because the car broke down, and if they don't get to the picnic, then they can't have, they can't talk to the mayor. And if they don't talk to the mayor, then they won't be able to get the 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 job that they needed. You know, it's like it's still try fail. It's just not in like huge dramatic consequences, but yeah. it's important to the character's happiness and and goals. Yeah, it's still. I mean, you could do this with any. Who is the story about? And any, what do they want? You could write a story about my cat right now, who was, was stuck trapped in the bathroom or the bedroom, not bedroom. the bathroom. He was, he was in stuck in the bedroom in the human bedroom, the bathroom with the human bed and his bed and well, toys, toys, and the thing that he wanted was to be in the rest of the house, and he couldn't get it because the door was closed. There you go. Premise for a story. What does he do about that? He makes himself a nuisance until we open the door. He tries to claw his way to freedom, but there's a barricade. There's pillows <laughs> under the door blocking his way, so now he's going to have to sharpen his claws so he can tear through the pillows. Yeah. I mean, so, honestly, it's pretty low stakes. He was safe the whole time. He has been fed already today. He had everything he needed, and yet... He still has a story because he has something he wants, 
a reason why he can't get it and try fail cycles that lead up to the end where the door is miraculously opened for him <laughs> and he is freed to do what he pleases. And the, the trick is... The epilogue would be him drinking <laughs> after his heart harrowing journey of trying to dig his way to freedom through the door. He's he then is drinking water and clanking his collar. Yeah, like that's that's the, the epilogue of like, oh, he finally gets like recording to like rest. The weary traveler gets to rest. Yeah, it's like Homer by the water bowl. Was it Homer who got lost? Not lost. Ended up with like a little side trip to meet Cersei. I think so. Who was it who like? I think it's the Odyssey. Like I think Odysseus hung out with Cersei for like seven years. Yeah, on his way home. It was kind of like what that was. Oh, yeah. That's really, really epic for our little, my little cat. But, yeah, the point is being that you can write a story about anything and it can still uh, answer these questions. Yeah. Uh, one, and this is gonna, gonna color me for the audience, but that's okay. One, this came to mind just now. So, if any of y'all utilize Netflix, there's a show on Netflix called Big Mouth, and it's really pretty terrible, but it's also pretty awesome for people who are like me, who just enjoy really bizarre things. And there's a spin-off show called Human Resources, and effectively what happens is that, like, the hormone monsters and the anxiety bugs and the love bugs and stuff, there are all these things that are inside us that make us motivate and move and do the things we want to do. Human Resources follows their stories instead of the human character stories. And at one point, there's a little boy in the show who has autism, uh, and I believe he's nonverbal. And he really, really, really wants a toy truck. Really wants it. And so his, his um, love bug and his... Uh, one of his other uh, quote-unquote monsters, they're not monsters, they're just funny-looking guys, uh, people, Logic Rock and stuff come together and they, like, send in, an, like, a, a, a request from the higher-ups to get an ambition goblin <laughs> to come work on the case. Oh, yeah. And so her name's Petra, and she's, like, this really, really kick-butt ambition goblin. And so she, like, comes and meets with the little boy who wants the truck really badly. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to get you this truck no matter what. And she makes a whole plan. And he does end the episode by communicating uh, through drawing pictures and pointing and with his moms that he that they do figure out that what he really wants is the truck. And so it's, like, it's ridiculous that this show, that's really pretty dark and weird and twisted and has this like beautiful that's precious it's so precious and the and the and the ambition goblin is like no matter what i'm getting you this truck and they try a whole bunch of things he tries drawing and they don't quite get it and then he tries taking the truck from the preschool home and they just think he's stealing and there's a misunderstanding and it makes him very upset and he has a meltdown it's like he has a whole book of try fail cycles before he finally is able to like get his moms to know that he really wants a truck a toy truck. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. So Toby's uh, the the cat Toby's uh, like epic escape. escape yeah, is a, a good example. But if for some reason you're wanting to watch a kind of really bizarre cartoon show that is definitely for adults, not children, um, <laughs> Human Resources, the episode with the little boy who wants the truck, is like really it, it covers it. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really cute. I cried. It's, you cried? I cried. I was like, what is wrong with the world when human resources is doing the most inclusive thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that for them. I know. It was great. And he does get his truck. Spoiler alert, he gets his truck. Okay. I might watch that episode. And you know I don't like Big Mouth. <laughs> I love Big Mouth. I don't know what's wrong with me. Don't think, just react. Oh, man. So, you have the meat and potatoes, which is the tri-fail cycles. The pickles and veggie burgers. The pickles and veggie burgers and lettuce. Mm-hmm. Middle salad. And tomatoes. <laughs> Fruit salad. Fruit salad. <laughs> you have the middle of your burger, and it's the tri-fail cycles. The why can't they get it? What did they do about it? And why doesn't it work over and over again? In different levels of intensity, different levels of this is the main plot thing, and then it ramps up intensity to the final big try-fail cycle, and then it ends. So, the last question is, how does it end? Bad. Bad. Cliffhanger. Yep, my favorite. The end of the world, or they succeed and they go home and it's uh, happily ever after. Or somewhere in the middle, lots of books that have large series, you get some sort of satisfactory wrap-up, but there is still a looming other thing that they're going to address in the next book. Yeah. Or the next movie. There's threads that haven't been that wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I, I actually really prefer that method. Yeah, well, so like, I'm, um, as a reader. the Scalament series. Yeah. Uh, Naomi, Nivet. <laughs> No, no, we know Vic. Thank you. Um, you know, the the first one is... What's the a first? Deadly Education. A Deadly Education. They fix the big problem, but she still has to graduate. Yeah. Like, graduating is the next book. And then there are other problems. That happen later, but they're not the same problems as before. Yes, yes. I actually was thinking of Naomi Novik when we were talking about that as well, but the Timurair series. Mm-hmm. Each book ends with a like, pretty satisfying conclusion of the story so far, but the Napoleonic Wars are still going on. There's still... That Napoleon. I know, that Napoleon. Um, there's still um, problems to solve. There's still bad guys to fight. There's still friends to protect. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really good... That's a really satisfying model for me mm-hmm. as a reader. Also, even if it's not a series... Which is funny because we don't do that. I know. <laughs> We, we could. I don't... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, the, I also really enjoyed that ending for the end of a book that's not going to continue, or the end of a series. Yeah, no. Better I'm not going to cliffhanger them for the very end. No, I mean, I know, but um, the bittersweet, the almost everything is solved, and this are the realities that these people are changed. I hate the perfect ending. You hate the perfect ending. I freaking hate the perfect ending. I believe that about you. Like, even though 14 guys went into this battle and it was a terrible, terrible, terrible battle, all of them made it through. It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Statistically, half of them should be dead. Uh, And so I really don't like when And we fixed everything and now we can all have babies. We've also talked about how killing too many people is a bad idea. No, no, kill them all. Kill them all? Yeah. Okay. But regardless, Mm -hmm. you decide an ending for your story. 
however sweet or not is that you want. And then you have a overarching plot outline. Mm-hmm. You have a character with motivations and feelings and who you have a good idea who reacts in certain situations. You're missing now is just a setting, really. Yeah. Maybe flesh out characters. You might need to flesh out more plot things. And that is sort of a, that's a plan for a novel. There you go. You're welcome. Or a short story or a episodic, episodic, whatever. This is, it's, this is kind of a universal story thing. Now we're not going to talk at all about nonfiction books (laughs) or nonfiction, how to lay out your memoir, but we do know that this works for stories. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. If I was going to do a memoir, I'd start with my death. You would start with your death? And work my way backwards. That'd be, that'd be cool. Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button style. Only, if you were writing the memoir, you couldn't have died yet. Well, I was just going to have to write the death scene and then make it happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez, that's dark. That is dark. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Don't read too much into that. Yeah. <laughs> Not for, not, we're not gonna. No. No. Nah. I, there's a reason why I don't have a memoir. Yeah. Obviously. I'm in a really good one. What? A really good reason. We want to keep oh, you around. I thought you meant it wasn't <laughs> going to be a good memoir. No. Of course it would be a good memoir. I'm super offended. Of course it would be a good memoir. <laughs> but I'd rather have you than the memoir. <laughs> Alright, so... That's kind of how you need to build a story wherever you're publishing or producing this story. This is the those are the six steps to take or the six rules to follow. And I want to put out there that this is not the only way to do it's this. It's the only way to do it. It's not. There's no other there way. There are a lot of models. You could never ever do it any other way. There's the hero's journey. There's like <laughs> Come on. There's, I don't know. Oh, she can't even think of other ones. See, this is the only one. one other one. The hero's journey is the same thing as this. They're still gonna have the same problems. I mean, if the hero just goes on a journey and the whole time it's easy, there's a problem. That's true, but the hero's journey is marked by like more specific things, like meeting your mentor, the death of your mentor, the going into the cave. It's like the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad for the mentor. Yeah, so the hero's journey is a much more, like, a specific method. Um, whereas this is one is kind of open-ended, just questions to answer. Mm. There are there are a bunch of different ways. Some people that say that um, all great novels only have, like, one thing in common, you know? Or they only need three things, you know? This is just a method that <laughs> we really like. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know. It's workable. It's workable. It's fine. Alrighty. Well, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Ellis Fables or here on Spotify. And you can always join our newsletter at ellisfables.com. Thanks for listening.